0: There's been a lot of well-established businesses that have gone bankrupt. The desperate pandemic plea from wedding planners struggling to stay afloat.
1: Choosing between a job or a vaccination isn't a choice.
0: Cross-country convoy as truckers protest vaccine mandates and the industry group condemning the protest. Plus,
2: we don't know that ranching will be feasible for us anymore.
0: BC ranchers trying to recover from fires and floods left in limbo after long-promised financial relief.
3: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
0: Good evening and thanks for joining us last week the latest restrictions regarding reduced capacity of public gatherings at bars nightclubs and arenas were largely extended to february 16th and that's when event planners are desperately hoping the province's top doctor will allow their industry to finally reopen grace key has our top story
4: dear dr bonnie henry our clients health is what's in the forefront of our minds if other things can operate safely then a wedding can operate safely. The events industry has started a social media campaign in the hopes of getting indoor organized gatherings back up and running.
5: We have safety plans that we've had to develop for events already through the pandemic and the fitness industry and lots of other industries were given the chance to submit these safety plans to the health office and to the officials and we haven't been given that opportunity at all. We're just in a complete shutdown. When asked about
0: weddings and funerals earlier in the week, Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry didn't
4: give any indication of a reopening date. The wedding itself is absolutely fine, so is a, a funeral. We re- recognize those are important life events that need to go on with with appropriate restrictions in place. It's the party part um, that we've asked, uh, that we've um, put limits on right now.
5: People are losing their businesses. There's been a lot of well-established businesses that have gone bankrupt already and I think that if after this current shutdown that ends February 16th if we don't have a clear long-term plan and consistency and, you know, no more uncertainty in what's going to happen six months from now, then a lot of these small businesses, are they're not going to survive. I mean, we might be one of them.
4: The industry estimates weddings alone
0: generate $1.2 billion a year in B.C. Shutdowns impact them six to 12 months beyond the lockdown period. They say they simply can't
4: take another hit.
5: We do not have much time left. We ask that you consider this proposal and a revision of the current order.
4: Grace Key, Global News.
0: One of Vancouver's oldest Indian restaurants is closing its doors forever. Well, at least for now. The Rega restaurant has been a fixture on West Broadway for 40 years. But on Sunday, a number of factors combining to convince the family that has run the restaurant for 34 years, it was time to call it a day. During COVID, the restaurant has just been breaking even, catering mostly to the takeout crowd. Because of SkyTrain construction out front, parking on Broadway is non-existent, and to top it all off, the building is up for sale.
6: If you do get lease, it's it's, uh, it's not a solid lease. Like a, it could be uh, like an optional. Like the the new people can terminate, uh, you know, the lease because who knows who's gonna buy it. So, so they're not giving a solid lease. There is a possibility maybe you do a smaller scale or maybe for takeaway or something. You know, we are not completely
2: giving up yet.
0: And as you heard there, Sharma is not closing the door to reviving the restaurant in another smaller location. But because of the pandemic, he says it's not a good time to try a new venture. Well, at the end of the week, thousands of truck drivers will converge on Parliament Hill to protest the vaccine mandates now in place to cross the U.S.-Canada border. And early this morning, a large B.C. contingent left the Lower Mainland ready with their message to Ottawa. Paul Johnson reports.
3: Whatever you think about the issue, there's something that feels deeply Canadian about the sound of diesels idling before sunrise on a winter morning. We're here to take
6: these trucks across Canada to stop this tyranny and the government
3: doing what they're doing to people in this country. On to Ottawa. It's been done before. But the pandemic edition is being led by big rig truckers protesting the end of the vaccine exemption for cross-border work. A couple of dozen rigs and a lot of cars left Delta Sunday morning headed east.
7: How do you see it as being unjust?
3: Because you're forcing it upon people. Choosing between a job or a vaccination isn't a choice. There's a change that's happened in the composition of this protest movement. Earlier. You saw people pushing conspiracy theories and things that just weren't true. Now we're hearing from people who say they're just fed up with the restrictions and others who say they've been told they have to get vaccinated or they'll lose their job.
8: I'm a documentary filmmaker here in Vancouver, and I wanted to support the uh, the truckers uh, with this um, convoy that they are starting.
3: But not everyone's on board with the convoy. Canadian Trucking Alliance doesn't support it and has warned them not to disrupt traffic. Other observers say, you've had plenty of warning about the rules, so come on, guys.
9: It's not that it kind of was pulled out of nowhere. There has been an opportunity for people to get to be compliant so that they wouldn't be disrupted by it.
3: Industry advocates say the rate of vaccination among truckers is about the same as in the general public. But being the backbone of the economy... No one knows what the cost will be of sidelining the holdouts. I don't need to be persuaded. Now I've made my choice. We're getting ready to roll here in Delta. Paul Johnson, Global News.
0: And a similar convoy departing Vancouver Island this morning. The group driving first through North Nanaimo, then through the city's downtown, honking horns and flying Canadian flags to show their support for the protest. A Blaine business used by thousands of Canadians is now charging storage fees on packages that have been sitting for more than six weeks. As of January 3rd, any packages that have been at Hagen's of Blaine for 45 days or longer will be charged 50 cents per day per package. Packages weighing 45 pounds or more will be charged $1 a day. Packages Hagen's received prior to September 1st of last year will be disposed of by March 1st unless customers make arrangements for storage space. The company is strongly recommending people use shipping services to get their items across the border if they can't make it down to pick them up. Fire has gutted a home in West Vancouver this afternoon. smoke there billowing from the home in the 200 block of Wonok Road as firefighters poured water onto the front of the residence. Crews were able to get it under control soon after. homeowner telling firefighters that everyone inside got out safely before they arrived on scene. The cause of the fire is still under investigation. In Surrey, RCMP are asking the public to be on the lookout for a missing 57-year-old man. Kenneth Weatherald. was last seen yesterday in the 13200 block of 96th Avenue around 6 p.m. in the Wally area. Weatherald is mute and wears an identification bracelet. He's described as being 5 foot 11, weighing 181 pounds. His family is concerned for his well-being and anyone with information is asked to contact Surrey RCMP. And New Westminster Police also asking for your help to locate a missing woman. 22-year-old Natasha Wilson was last seen on January 16th after she moved out of her home on Ginger Drive. Anyone with information on her whereabouts is asked to call New Westminster Police. And a plea from Coquitlam RCMP to help find 27-year-old Jane Norris. She was last seen January 20th at 11 p.m. and was reported missing the next morning. Police say there is concern for her well-being and that she may behave in a way that poses a risk to herself or the public. She's described as being five foot one and weighing 136 pounds. If you see her, you're asked not to approach her and instead call 911. Mission RCMP are searching for a suspect responsible for an overnight shooting that left two people seriously injured. The shooting took place just after midnight Friday in an industrial area where most of the businesses were closed at the time. Mounties were later called to the Mission Memorial Hospital where two people, a 61-year-old man and 52-year-old woman with gunshot wounds, were dropped off. Police believe it was a targeted shooting with no clear ties to the Lower Mainland gang conflict. No one is in custody, but anyone with information is asked to call police. A section of Mission Way was temporarily closed while officers investigated. The trial of former B.C. Legislature Clerk Craig James is set to start in Vancouver Supreme Court tomorrow. James has pleaded not guilty to five breach of trust and fraud charges after an RCMP investigation into spending by senior staff on personal expenses at the provincial legislature. Former Sergeant at Arms Gary Lenz, who was suspended with James when news of the alleged spending scandal broke in November of 2018, was not charged and has denied any wrongdoing. James has elected to be tried by judge alone. A protest was held outside the Canada Border Services Agency offices in downtown Vancouver Saturday afternoon over claims of Islamophobia. The group rallied in support of Egyptian families who have filed refugee claims following the 2011 Arab Spring Revolution in their homeland. It's alleged the CBSA has denied several families asylum claims because some have been members of the Freedom and Justice Party that has ties to the Muslim Brotherhood. That includes Atia El-Serafi and his family, who fled Egypt over fears of persecution over his political activism. Thousands
7: have been brought in since that's happened thousands who were part of the uh, members and so forth they, they, they were allowed into the country. but this this particular group, remember an individual agent of CBSA made the call, looked it up and said, well, you know what these guys these guys are not uh, are not admissible because uh, on this piece of paper they belong to a terrorist organization when they were anything but.
0: Neither the Freedom and Justice Party nor the Muslim Brotherhood appears on Canada's official list of terrorist entities. The CBSA says they can't comment on specific cases due to privacy reasons, but added multiple officials are involved in decisions regarding admissibility. If applicants are unhappy with decision, they say it can be appealed to the federal court of Canada. A new driver is facing hundreds of dollars in fines after he was allegedly caught speeding in his mother's vehicle early this morning. Abbotsford police say the 20-year-old behind the wheel of this 2003 Mazda Protege passed an unmarked patrol vehicle at around 2:40 a.m. on Highway 1 at Sumas Way at speeds of over 200 kilometers per hour in a 100k zone. The car was going so fast its engine blew. When stopped, police say the driver told them he wanted to see how fast the car could go. His mother's ride was seized for seven days and he was slapped with tickets for excessive speed, driving without consideration and failing to display his N. After the break, flood and fire victims in limbo. The appeal from BC ranchers for relief and how the province is responding. And later, instead of a vaccine QR code, the Alberta restaurant in hot water for requiring a different kind of proof to dine in. The district of Uklulit says a vital water main damaged last week will have to be replaced. The Uklulit First Nation declared an emergency when its underwater supply line was damaged beyond repair. A barge towing a log boom severed the line between Uklulit and the indigenous community of Itaku. It's thought a tsunami surge following the Tonga volcano may have dislodged the line from its anchors. The district now says another existing submerged line may provide a solution. Parts to convert the line for clean water arrive on Monday. After they're installed, officials will determine if it can be used to transport potable water. Ranchers affected by wildfires and drought say they have yet to see any cash from the $20 million agri-recovery program announced by the B.C. government last year. The money is supposed to help with expenses like feeding and sheltering livestock. And as Kristen Robinson reports, many farmers are also now dealing with the aftermath of the flooding disaster.
2: This is what our property Used to look like
0: before a surging Nicola River unleashed
9: devastation last November. Well, ain't that something, hey?
2: In the space of about 12 hours, we watched a lifetime worth of work wash down the river and disappear.
9: Rhonda and Wayne McDonald own Bar Effects Ranch along Highway 8 between Merritt and Spence's Bridge, raising beef cattle and growing hay. The couple lost 20% of their herd during Lytton wildfire evacuations and was trying to recover when the flooding hit.
8: There is the remains of our, uh, our uh, calving shed.
9: Two hectares of land lost, three irrigation pump houses gone. The fields can't be watered. What's left is under almost a metre of silt and rocks, including a once prime 26 hectare hayfield.
2: At this point we've had so much damage to our infrastructure and our property, we don't know that ranching will be feasible for us anymore.
9: The cattle's winter feed supply, 300 tons of hay, also washed away, forcing them to pay a premium to source hay to feed their animals, while the river's new path is threatening their home.
8: The river's now pointing right at the house. There's a lot of
2: hurt, hurting people along this corridor.
9: The National Farmers Union calling on BC's agriculture minister to immediately trigger agri-recovery so government cash can flow to where it's needed.
8: It's ridiculous the government is taking so long to announce any sort of program here for for anybody.
9: Lana Popham not available for an interview. When asked when B.C. ranchers can expect financial aid, her ministry sent a statement. The government of B.C. knows the hardship producers have endured and continues to work with the feds to develop a comprehensive financial support package that will assist farmers with recovery.
2: People need help now while the ground is frozen, to get their banks stabilized, to get that work done before the freshet hits in the spring.
9: These ranchers fear they'll be dealing with more flooding if help doesn't come soon.
8: It's an hour-round trip. It's going to take man hours and time to fix this, and you know we're running out of time.
0: Kristen Robinson, Global News. In the Caribou, several rescue crews conducting a high-risk operation overnight to save a severely injured sledder near 100 Mile House. Members of North Shore Rescue and South Caribou Search and Rescue teamed up to help a multi-trauma patient. The sledder was stuck near Hendricks Lake at an elevation of about 5,000 feet. Other people stranded in the group were able to start a fire to keep warm until help arrived. The team says crews were able to provide first aid, load the sledder into a helicopter, and transfer her to B.C. Ambulance Services. And still ahead, the latest on Russia-Ukraine tensions.
3: There'll be very serious consequences if Russia takes this move to try and invade.
0: And the new developments that have led to growing fears of an imminent invasion. Plus...
1: And it's also kind of really eye-opening to what issues they're facing, that are making them, you know, make that choice.
0: A closer look at the Manitoba border tragedy after four people were found frozen to death. Ukraine, where the rush to bolster its military is growing more urgent, the British government is accusing the Kremlin of trying to install a pro-Russian leader in Kyiv. And the U.S. State Department is ordering the families of all American personnel at the U.S. Embassy and allowing non-essential staff to leave the country. As Mike LeCouture reports, these developments are fueling more fears of an imminent invasion. <laughs>
10: Ukrainian soldiers patrol parts of a forest outside Donetsk. Tensions remain high in the breakaway region along the border with Russia, an area largely controlled by pro-Russian separatist forces, and they're likely to get even higher. UK intelligence officials claim to have information indicating Russia is looking to install a pro-Kremlin government led by this former Ukrainian MP.
7: There will be very serious consequences if Russia takes this move to try and invade,
8: but also install a puppet regime. Former
10: Ukrainian MP Yevhen Moreyev says he laughed at the story, adding he has been under Russian sanctions since 2018. But he also said his country needs new leadership. Every voice matters. Meantime, pro-Ukrainian demonstrations have popped up around the world. U.S. reiterated its warning to Russia.
7: If there is any uh, further uh, Russian uh, aggression in terms of sending Russian forces uh, into Ukraine, there will be a swift, there will be a severe, and there will be a united response.
10: There are questions about that solidarity. Because
3: we need Russia against China.
10: The head of Germany's navy was forced to resign after he said Russian President Vladimir Putin deserved respect and that Kiev would never win back annexed Crimea from Moscow. Comments that could be cause for concern, according to Matthew Light, an associate professor of European, Russian and Eurasian studies. I suppose
6: the suspicion remains that other people in the German military or um, high-level positions have similar views and are something more discreet about them.
10: Canada's support for Ukraine has been unwavering. Still, some continue to ask what more Canada can do. It's expected Prime Minister Trudeau will face those questions when he meets the media on Monday. Michael Couture, Global News, Ottawa.
0: Officials on both sides of the Canada-U.S. border are still investigating last week's tragedy in southern Manitoba. Four people died while walking through extremely harsh conditions, trying to cross into the U.S. Global's Marnie Blunt traveled to where the four were believed to be going, and where the man now charged in the incident was apprehended.
11: It was somewhere in this vicinity, in Kitson County, Minnesota, where a group of four Indian nationals, including an infant, were headed to now there's not much around here other than a few farmhouses and a gas plant and as you can see whiteout conditions can happen quickly now the group walked for hours across these frozen barren prairie fields in the dark near the canada u.s border trying to make it to this destination a destination they tragically never reached these deserted gravel roads is where border patrol officers pulled over 47 year old steve Shant of florida he's now charged with human smuggling in connection to the incident Nearby, another group of five was found walking along the road, two people suffering from severe frostbite. One person had baby items in a backpack, which sparked the search and led to the tragic discovery of four people frozen to death on the Canadian side of the border.
1: It was a big shock at first, you know, that, that a family would uh, go wandering out in the blizzard like that, take that risk. It's, uh And it's also kind of really eye-opening to what issues they're facing. They're making them, you know, make that choice.
11: This man, who didn't want to be identified, has lived in the area for nearly three decades. He says people crossing the border illegally has been an issue in the past.
1: last five years or so, there's been, you know, reports of people crossing the border in this area going up and down. The the interstate getting caught at the border in this area.
11: Other people we spoke to say they've noticed an increase in U.S. border guards patrolling the area. The news of this grave incident is tragic and puzzling to many.
1: Desperation, absolutely. I mean, there's no other reason someone would go wandering through, you know, a snow-covered field.
11: Now still, many questions swirl around why they would attempt such a risky journey in these conditions. The accused, Steve Shand, is expected to appear in court on Monday. Marnie Blunt, Global
0: News. According to one Alberta restaurant, proof of canine enthusiasm is equal to proof of vaccination. Public health inspectors say Granary Kitchen staff in Red Deer was allowing people to show photos of dogs in lieu of a vaccine passport in order to dine inside its doors. It's alleged some staff made it appear to outside observers that a QR code was being scanned as the employee gazed intently at the canine picture. A statement posted to Facebook, the restaurant blamed the skirting of the laws on an underage employee. Health officials ordered it closed last week. And coming up, a real estate industry inclusivity initiative.
11: There's a lack of exposure and awareness that they're able to, to participate in this space.
0: How a new Edmonton-based program is working to increase diversity in commercial real estate.
3: You're watching Global News Hour at 6.
5: When we were online for a while, it helped to like go out into the park.
0: Disconnecting from digital devices. How the pandemic has increased the number of nature escapes Canadians are taking. We'll have details on that just ahead. But first, did you see that thick fog blanketing many parts of the South Coast today? Well, you had to go up, way up in order to catch the sight of sun. A drone deployed from the top of Burnaby Mountain this morning showed how high the fog was. And a bit of an eerie scene on the Cypress Lookout on the North Shore as the cloud cover rolled on by. The fog advisory has remained for much of the day for the lower mainland. What a contrast there as we bring in meteorologist Yvonne Shell for a look at the forecast. It did seem to clear throughout the morning and afternoon.
4: Yeah, and we still have that similar setup. Thanks, Nithu, and good evening, everyone. We've got a similar setup once again. We've got more drone footage to show you just over the North Shore Mountains. And our camera guy, cameraman, Patrick Bell, managed to capture this. It's spectacular, really. It's really higher elevations, yes. Clear skies, plenty of sunshine. What we're seeing are these clear skies and the light winds. And we've got a temperature inversion for many areas with that warm loft, and that's where we're seeing fog across the region. So it sets up once again. It's a similar weather story as we get in towards the morning hours before it really does start to dissipate, but dense for many areas. And that's why the fog advisory is in effect. It's a heads up, especially for the early morning hours, heading out for work or school. We could see some limited visibility for many areas across Metro Vancouver. Temperatures right now, we're sitting at four. There's those calm winds. Northerly right now sitting at seven kilometers per hour. Overnight tonight and for the early morning hours, it'll be chilly once again. We'll get close to or hovering the freezing mark. One, as we get in towards the morning hours, that fog dissipating a bit. A few breaks will be in there for tomorrow. It'll be dry, though, however, into early next week and temperatures tomorrow getting up to 5 degrees. Fog advisory does extend across the island, right along the Sunshine Coast, eastern areas into the Fraser Valley. Chilliwack included within that. So very dense fog and limited visibility, a big concern. We are seeing dry conditions for much of the south coast. A bit of a blip in the forecast, though, for a few spots and towards the interior, the columbian Kootenai. And areas near the Okanagan could also see the slight chance for a few flurries. That'll be for the morning hours. It'll be isolated, not much in terms of accumulation, and then it should dissipate quite quickly. Valley cloud and fog for the interior areas, it'll be similar with that limited visibility. Now, avalanche warning with the warmer temperature still a big concern. This remains in effect. So those planning on traveling into the backcountry, check in with the latest avalanche forecast. But all areas that are in red, not recommended. uh, Human-triggered avalanches are likely, and the snow level, the snowpack, rather, is very weak for these area. the layers. Now, here's what we're tracking for the northern half of the province. A fair bit of cloud cover, areas inland tomorrow with smithers just getting up to the freezing mark. A few areas into the southeastern corners of the province could see some flurries in the mix. It'll be very light in terms of precipitation. And areas near Whistler tomorrow will be bumping up to 4 degrees. We've got that fog. It'll be very dense. The fog advisory remains in effect. Limited visibility and dense over the next few days, but dry into our long-range forecast over the next few Highs for tomorrow will be up to 5 degrees. Nithu. All right, thanks so much, Yvonne. Well, more people
0: headed outdoors for their mental well-being during the pandemic. That's the finding from a recent poll conducted by the Nature Conservancy of Canada. It indicates that 82% of respondents across the country are spending their time outside and that 37% of respondents are spending more time outdoors compared to their lives before the pandemic began in March of 2020.
1: To to disconnect from our our digital devices uh, today, um, you know, from television to computers, our cell phones, uh, it's nice
8: to disconnect from that activity, uh, break away from it.
5: The fresh air, um, and it really helps, like, especially when we're on, when we were online for a while, it helped to, like, go out into the park and, I don't know, have a breather from the, from the screen. Now, of the 18% who said they're spending
0: less time in nature, one-third indicated they were following their provincial health guidelines and staying close to home. Lack of access was a barrier for many who said they require transportation or don't have natural spaces close to where they live. Others said they just didn't have time.
7: I don't buy that last one. <laughs>
4: You've got a always lot of time on your time. hands. You Lots
0: make time. of time. <laughs> that is true. What did you spend your time working on today for sport uh,
7: Just wondering how it could get any crazier, for lack Mm -hmm. of a better term, for the Canucks in uh, as far as their COVID goes. They had uh, their goaltender, Spencer Martin, the kid who played his first NHL game in five years the other night. He tested positive. Mm. So now he can't play tonight. They actually have signed a a UBC goalie as their backup tonight. So it's You couldn't make this stuff up, but just another challenge for the Canucks. We'll hear from uh, Bruce Boudreaux talking about that. And the NFL playoffs, as bad as they were last week with all the blowouts, incredible, and two more great games. Highlights of that as well.
0: Wow. Well, great opportunity for that goalie. Look forward to the preview there. Thanks, Barry. Also ahead, casualties of an unstable rental market. A lot of us lost our homes, so I had to downsize A retired Prince George man's eviction nightmare after 10 years in the same home. Well, B.C.'s housing market has always been a top water cooler topic with tenants struggling to afford to pay rent and affordable housing being snatched up. But while you would expect those challenges in large cities, residents in smaller communities are no longer escaping the province's increasingly tight housing market. Our report is from CKPG News.
1: Yeah, we like our goldfish.
8: It's another day of packing for Glenn Kovach. I used to collect masks. The 58-year-old Prince George resident is being evicted after renting out his three-bedroom home for 10 years, along with his son and daughter.
1: And I said, okay, see, so he said, you're safe till spring. And I said, oh, okay. So that was a sigh of relief there. And then I, a month ago, I paid my rent, and the landlord says, oh,
8: uh, yeah, we sold the place. My partner sold it, and I didn't even know Kobach was served an eviction notice in mid-December.
1: Yeah, that didn't make very well for a decent
8: Christmas. He was given just over two months notice to leave the property because a new buyer was moving in, which, according to Tennessee law, is all legal. That's weird. Before renting, Kobach owned a home, but the financial hardships from losing his job at the former Rustad Sawmill proved to be too much. When Rustad shut their doors, a lot of us lost our
4: homes,
1: so I had to downsize.
8: Living on a pension, Kobach can't afford much for the amount of space he needs for his family and his things.
4: 40% of renters in Prince George are spending 30% or more of their income on shelter costs.
8: One expert says that in smaller communities like PG, the situation can be worse than in larger cities.
4: We did a recent study and looked at 39 communities in BC. And in 18 of those communities... Tenants are about or more vulnerable than tenants in Vancouver.
1: Yeah, it's got to be dismantled.
8: (sighs) But the father isn't giving up until he finds a new place where he can continue to make memories. One day at a time. Ali Herrera, CKPG News.
0: A new program in Edmonton is hoping to improve diversity in commercial real estate by teaching marginalized high school students about the industry. Edmonton's REIT Institute has partnered with local groups like the Alberta Real Estate Board to develop a program which gives BIPOC students age 15 to 17 industry exposure while learning about different aspects of real estate, including lending, buying, appraisals, and asset management.
11: The issue historically from, from my perspective has just been that um, there's a lack of exposure and awareness that they're able to, to participate in this space and because they don't know it exists. Um, so really what we're trying to do is open those pathways so that they can know
8: that it exists.
0: All right, Barry's back with a full sports cast, including some highlights from a nail-biting day for football and later.
8: What happened to the map or
6: is the big map still here?
0: mapping a new location for this 6,000 square foot 3D display of our province.
8: learn about our connection to the magnificent orca. At the Royal BC Museum exhibit, Orcas, Our Shared Future, dig into the science, the currents of environmentalism, popular culture, and indigenous beliefs to gain a new appreciation of these sophisticated animals. Celebrating its 20th year, don't miss the Dine Out Vancouver Festival. Over 300 restaurants across Metro Vancouver are offering exclusive fixed price three course meals, foodie events including indigenous chef collaborations, tasting tours, and more. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman.
3: Our BC is brought to you by London Drugs. Get your 2022 Pink Shirt Day merchandise now at London Drugs.
0: All right, Barry's back with a full look at sports. And, Barry, my social media feeds are filled with football reactions, and I'm sure soon it will be Canucks game reactions.
7: Yeah, it's been a fun day. The yeah. NFL playoffs going on are amazing, and the Canucks, uh, I'm kind of uh, befuddled about what's yeah. going on with them. It's hard to believe. Thanks, Neetu. Uh The hockey gods have a real sense of humor, a sick sense of humor, when it comes to the Canucks. Just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, now we found out that Spencer Martin, who had that amazing performance in goal against Florida the other night has tested positive for COVID meaning the Canucks have just one goalie left standing and that is Mikey DiPietro so he will start tonight against the Blues there won't be any help coming from Abbotsford as their starter Archer Silovs is also tested positive so UBC goalie Ryland Toth will be the backup tonight here's an exasperated Bruce Boudreau on another positively tough day for the Canucks
12: Oh. uh we have uh, a couple coaches in in um covid protocol at this moment and um uh we have obviously some goalies in covid protocol and uh i think Spencer Martin was just added to that uh, group yesterday so uh uh mr DiPietro will be our goalie, our goaltender tonight yeah it's it's definitely a weird feeling now i think you know, going back to last year outbreak, I think I'm the only guy, uh, player, not to get it so far. So, you know, you can come to the rink, feel perfectly fine and pop up and, you know, miss 10 days. Another tricky situation this morning. Um, Just, uh, you know, how it's going lately, I guess.
7: Uh, this also happens to be Bruce Boudreaux's 1,000th game as an NHL head coach. He won't forget it, that's for sure. He has really breathed new life into this Canucks team, whatever the challenges they've faced. Boudreaux's never lost sight of the fact he's been very fortunate to play and coach at the highest level of hockey. The,
12: the fact that uh, I loved the game and I played 17 years and uh, uh, I just thought that it was the last five or six years I was a player assistant coach and uh, I just thought it was a natural uh, progression for me and uh, uh, it's all I've ever wanted to do was be involved in hockey so it's uh, uh, it's taken a lot of winding roads but uh, uh, like and I still pinch myself about you know where it's at at this stage so it's uh, uh, I'm I'm, you know in awe with the the fact that it's my thousandth game here but I mean it's a And I can only thank the Aquilinis for giving me the opportunity to do it. I didn't know if it would ever happen again, but it's it's a pretty special night for my family and myself.
7: And the uh, Abbotsford Canucks playing right now 4-2 over San Diego. So they're getting the job done with a less than full lineup with all of the positive tests. NHL today, Delta's Tristan Jari and the Penguins hosting the Jets. Pick this one up, second period. Kyle Connor on the power play. Check out this ripper To beat Jari short side. What a shot. 22nd of the year for Connor. 2-0 Jets after two. But the Penguins got two goals nine seconds apart. This one by Jeff Carter after Connor Hellebuck misplays the puck. Ties it up 2-2. This one needs the shootout. Sidney Crosby, who is closing in on 500 career goals. I think he's at 496. How about that play? That's the winner penguins win again 3-2 with the loser point though the jets move a point up on the canucks in the standings Placement. all right nfl playoffs. Attack buckle up tom brady bucks. and the bucks taking Put on the rams in tampa second quarter eight. and the uh rams had a great start in this matthew stafford who has just one career nfl playoff win that was last week 70 yards to cooper cup it was a blowout 20 to 3 rams at the half. It was 27-3 at one time, but thanks to some Rams turnovers, the Bucks stay in at late fourth. Brady going 55 yards to Mike Evans, one of the few weapons still healthy in that Tampa offense. All of a sudden, it's 27-20. Under three minutes to go, no timeouts left for the Bucks. Rams with another costly mistake. Cam Akers fumbles. Bucks recover at the Rams' 33rd last fumble of the game for LA and second by Akers. So the Bucks get their chance and they take it. Fourth and in inches. Leonard Fournette. Romps in for the touchdown, 24 unanswered points, and unbelievably it's tied at 27. But Stafford and the Rams have some time to get the winning field goal, and Stafford going deep to who else but Cooper Cup all the way down to the 10. Cup had nine catches for 183 yards. How does he get that open? Matt Gay in for the 30-yard field goal in the win, and he drills it, and the Rams win 30-27. They will host the 49ers in the NFC Championship game next Sunday. And We saved the best For last in the AFC, Bills and Chiefs rematch of last year's conference championship game won by Kansas City. Bills got a touchdown on their first possession, but Patrick Mahomes personally answers for the Chiefs, scrambles and stretches for the end zone. Three rushes, 49 yards in that opening drive for Mahomes that tied at seven. Stays that way till late in the half. Mahomes spins away from the rush and then fires a strike to Byron Pringle for the touchdown. 14 7, Kansas City but Josh Allen drives the Bills downfield and on a similar uh, play will hit Gabriel Davis from 18 yards out. What a quarterback battle, and believe me, it gets better. 14-all at the half between the Bills and the Chiefs. Third quarter, Chiefs up three, and then this happens. McColl Hardman on the end around somehow eludes the Bills' defense. Great move there, 25 yards for the touchdown. This game was just chock full of amazing plays by the offense's 23 14 But how's this for a response? Josh Allen on the Bills' first play on their drive. Little play action. Mighty heave downfield. It's a perfect pass again to Gabriel Davis. 75-yard touchdown. His second TD of the game. It's 23-21. Now, two minutes to go. Fourth down for the Bills. And Allen... We'll find Gabriel Davis for his third touchdown, remarkably wide open. It's 29-26, Bills. Amazing stuff, but Patrick Mahomes is going to answer. Tyreek Hill has got amazing blazing speed, and he shows it here. It's a 64-yard touchdown. This is incredible. 33-29, Chiefs with a minute to go, but hey, that's a lot of time for Josh Allen. And would you believe Josh Allen answers to Davis for his NFL record fourth touchdown of the game 36-33 but the Chiefs kick the goal at the death they're going to overtime tied at 36 an incredible day of football in the NFL and it's not over yet Felix oje Oliasim will try to join his close friend Denis Shapovalov in the Australian Open quarterfinals later on tonight. Felix takes on Marin Cilic with a spot in the final eight on the line. Now, overnight, Shapovalov, uh, Shapovalov is very impressive, knocking off third seed Alex Zverev in straight sets. Just Shapo's second-ever win against a top-five-ranked opponent. Now, Shapovalov had never made it past the fourth round in Melbourne before, but he had the energy, and Zverev, truth be told, looked flat from the outset. Good ref- reflexes at the net for the volley winner. Shapovalov takes the opening set 6-3. How bad a day was it for Zverev? Takes it out on the racket. Dennis took the second set as well. Third set go to match point. And Dennis with a big forehand down the line. And that is it. Schapel ball off. Impressive straight sets win over Zverev. Shapovalov off to the Aussie quarters for the first time where he will meet Rafael Nadal. NBA tonight, Raptors and Trailblazers. Still no fans allowed in the stands at Raptor home games, and the Raps had zero energy from the start. It was all Portland from the opening tip. Blazers jumped out to a 25-4 lead, led by 30 at the half. C.J. McCollum with the long three. Raps made a run, though, in the third. Chris Boucher with the three-pointer cut the lead to 14. And then in the fourth, Raptors... With a big run, Fred Van Vliet will hit the three here, cuts the lead to four. They had trailed by 34. Imagine if they had a crowd, how whipped up they would be, but uh, no Cinderella comeback. Anthony Simons with the dagger three-pointer here. Blazers win 114, 105. Raptors dropped to 22 and 22 on the season. LPGA Tournament of Champions from Orlando. Canada's Brooke Henderson was just two back when the day began but made just two birdies on the round, had a lot of looks. This was an unlikely one on the par three. Brooke, though, finishes solo second. Nice payday of 177000 It was an American, uh, Daniel Daniel Kang, who took charge six birdies on the day. This one at the 14th. She wins by three over Brooke Henderson. Kang is the champion of the tournament of champions in Orlando. Final round of the American Express from Palm Springs. Hudson Swafford was in fifth when the day began, but he put the pedal down late in his round. Second shot on the par five, 16th after a massive drive. And he sticks this to eight feet. He made the eagle putt, so he broke the tie. He's now got a two-shot lead, and then at the signature par 3, 17th, Swofford rolls in the 20-footer for birdie to seal it. He wins by, uh, thanks to an 8 under 64, wins by two shots. Merritt's Roger Sloan tied 14th, Adam Hadwin 25th, Nick Taylor 33rd, Adam Spencer 49th. So all the B.C. boys getting paid this week. And we'll finish off with some so X Games from Aspen, Colorado last runs. night. Men's Teal Big Teal Air Harley Ski Final. Campbell it River's five, Teal Harley dropping in just like any. he's done he's countless serving. times at Mount Washington on the island. So Harley hitting the X Games podium for the very first time. Fork. Lands the wow, triple cork I mean, on his first run. And that's impressive stuff from the island's Teal Harley as he uh, gets a bronze medal at the X Games in Aspen. And that is it for sports. Back to you, Neethi.
0: For now, Mm action-packed day, action-packed night. You'll have more at 11. All right, thanks for that, Barry. And we'll be right back with the latest on efforts to relocate the prized BC relief map. Stay with us. Well, there's something to be said for handmade items that stand the test of time. That's the beauty and the challenge of finding a permanent home of the infamous Challenger map. Here's Jay Durant with tonight's This is BC.
6: It's a reunion at the BC Sports Hall of Fame. A portion of the Challenger map is back more than 30 years after being displayed at the hall's original location at the p
3: To this day, we still get visitors
6: coming in. Um, you know maybe half a dozen uh, every few months that are asking what happened to the map or is the big map still here. This is only 4 percent of the map when fully assembled it covers over 6,000 square feet it took George Challenger seven years to build in the late 40s early 50s his legacy gift so that all British Columbians could learn more about the place they call home.
3: He was hoping that they would understand Uh, the beauty and magnificence of of the province, and go out and explore it.
6: It was a painstaking effort for Challenger to create the detail and accuracy. With the help of family members, he made it in the basement of his house, which required him to use a saw on more than just the pieces of the map.
3: He cut a hole in the dining room floor so that he could project through the floor down onto his work table in the basement. And uh, my grandmother was probably not too pleased with that.
6: Over the years, it's been used by forest and mining companies to plan roads and highways and for security detail, the 2010 Olympics. But the rest is still sitting in storage in an Air Canada hangar at YVR.
3: I think it's extremely important uh, that we get it back on display.
6: The Challenger Relief Map Foundation is raising money to restore it, to once again turn it into the ultimate education tool, but this time enhanced with modern technology.
3: Using light to illuminate First Nations territories, using lasers uh, where you might be able to ask a kiosk, please show me the route to the Caribou Gold Rush.
6: A revamped version that George could never have envisioned. Everyone is optimistic that the Challenger map will find a permanent home at the P&E within the next couple of years. Jay Durant, Global News.
0: Now, if you or someone you know has a great story to tell or something unique to B.C. that people need to know about, you can email your ideas to thisisbc at globalnews.ca. All right, Barry, you're refreshing your social media, aren't you, to see the latest on this football game? What's happening?
7: Kansas City won it in overtime. Incredible. We'll have highlights of that at 11. And Canucks. Who knows what's going to happen with them?
0: You just have to stay tuned for the highlights because right. no, it's nobody's guess. <laughs> Thank you very much for sharing some of your night with us. Uh, Kamal Karmali will be here for Global News at 11. Have a great night.